Hello, and welcome to The Quest Begins. My name's Jason, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Jared and Michael. And today we're going to talk D&D. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Quest Begins episode. Uh, This is going to be a Jared-heavy one, so buckle in. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> the last one was Jared Heavy. Can we really stomach this twice in a row? It's gonna, that's right, folks. It's going to be a Jared episode. Here's the remote. Oh, you can God. change your channel <laughs> anytime you want. <laughs> I suggest you I'm jump sorry, over. audience. This was, this was spun on me just as quickly as it was on you. Uh, no. So uh, it is a topic that uh, Jared brought to the uh, discussion, said, hey, let's talk about this. And we didn't immediately say it was garbage. So, we're going to talk about that topic. Uh, That's a lie. They immediately said it was garbage. <laughs> but they said I, it in a joking way. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Exactly. You you were joking about it being garbage. Yeah, that's true. It's true. We, go, we can't make you feel like you are, you know, in, um, you know, important. I, I know what you're trying to say, Jason. That. Yeah. And I completely understand. I already have trouble finding hat sizes. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. So, yeah. Well, if it's you not from all that hair uh, on your head. If you want to give us an idea of what we're talking about here, Jared, why don't you, uh, why don't you go into it? Okay. Um, today's topic is uh, making a monster. More than just a stat block. Basically, we want to talk about how when you're creating your own monster, it's important to think about other situations than just its attack damage or its move pattern or its hit points. You want to think about how it behaves, what's its objectives, if it has them, uh, how it's going to interact with players or NPCs, just generally make it come to life. This can also easily be applied to anything that's straight out of the book. If you want to take a monster stat block and, you know, have it in your world, you want to have it part of your world, not just a sheet of paper that's there for the players to beat up. And when doing this, well, there's a lot of great things that can come out of it, such as obfuscating the monster you're using or just generally springing fun times or traps or tense moments or amusing moments or whatnot, and just allowing your players to also solve things through non-combat means, you know? If it's a wild predator that just wants food, or for them to leave its territory, they can solve it through that instead of having to fight it. So you want to make the monster feel appropriate, not just, I'm just starting to ramble, I should shut up now. No, you're fine, Jared. Wow, we said got with all the energy of a schoolroom teacher. Uh, yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Just you're get fine. Back to the topic <laughs> at hand, but <laughs> you're fine. Stick your hand in the aquarium with the electric eel. You know. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, um, I think. You know, Jared has talked about this uh, a couple times before, um, kind of, you know, what are the, 
motivations behind a monster. Um, so when it's in combat, you know, uh, not even just in combat, but like, I mean, just in combat, for instance, like, uh, if you you know, your group of PCs are running up against it, like, when is it gonna like leave combat? What are whatever its motivations for being there? Is it just gonna fight to the death? Um, as you know, we see all too often with uh, monsters, especially in D anD D, where it's like, oh well, this thing's just gonna keep going, and it's gonna fight to the death, and you know, with with no real reasoning behind it. So anyway, I think it's a great concept. Um, I know for a long time I was kind of, um, and I still do, but I really like to think about um, the mindset of the monsters that I put into a game. And oftentimes I'm not putting something in that's just there um, to, for, for you know the PCs to go up against just because I want something there like there is a reason why it's there if it's you know if it's some sort of an animal it's usually you know belongs to the big bad or it's uh, the minions of it or you know an NPC of some kind like uh, there's a reason why that monster's in there and you know there are ways of dealing with the monster outside of just killing it so um but i guess really we want to talk about how we would develop those into our campaign is that correct jared yeah i mean i can even start off with the example that i've done fairly recently if you guys want did you want me to give my thoughts or should i wait till the 15 minute mark no, this is just the duo podcast between me and Jason. Not you. You aren't involved. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna Sorry, say. Michael. Yeah, I, I let, mean, let, I completely understand that we're wanting to stay with Jared this entire time since it was his idea and it's the first one he's had in like a year or two. But I'd like to. Hey, hey, give me. Credit. I'd like to add my two cents here. Um, reason for it to be there is part of your story that it adds an element to the story as a GM you're telling. So it's not just some random thing. It's not just some obstacle that you threw in front of them, like a, a flat tire. It It's more of a, a, a car accident that's holding you up in traffic. It, it has purpose. It's, it means more than like, you keep saying a bag of hit points, but you're wanting to give it a little more life. Like if it's a, a horde of giant spiders that have been hanging out in this forest and they're getting ready to attack, they have purpose there. They're in that forest. They've been living there for a while. You've developed a background. You've probably got a few of their victims hanging around in the webs and the tree. The players are their victims, and that's why these giant spiders are hanging out there you're adding a challenge to the players uh their own narrative that's going to be developed by this encounter and so they become a little bit more than just oh it's you know there's five spiders in this tree they're going to take out the uh the players if they can 
there, there's purpose. And then in the process, the, the f- path victims that are hanging out in the tree after the spiders have been defeated can be another element in your story that you hope that the players, you know, go and search for answers to why these spiders are there or why would they come after them or where there might be some story element with the, the bodies of their, the previous victims. So that's what I think about when I, when I think about monsters, why, why they're there, their reason. And you guys have kind of hit on that. So I wanted to add my two cents. All right, Jared, give us your example. Cool. It's going to fly in the face of everything we just said. Big surprise. Um, yep. I am contrarian, if nothing else. I have been doing a family campaign that is kind of a post-apocalyptic magic technology jumble of ideas. And one of the big themes has been um, that they're trying to build up a town. And one of the big ways they've been doing that is by gathering resources and goading groups that are gathering those resources to bring to town to improve it. On one such outing, I realized that I hadn't uh, given them anything lately to be scared of, and I wanted to tie it back into a few different things. So I pulled up a monster that I had, a stat block, from a long time ago that was basically a zombified T-Rex. This had nothing to do really with the campaign. It had nothing to do with uh, anything else. It was just a stat block. And an interesting creature that I knew they would have fun with. So when I brought this into the game, I had to think up a very a variety of reasons and connections for it on the spot. One of the thing, themes I've shown is restless undead and a typical undead uh, prediction of uh, basically wanting to throttle or snuff out life. That's just... If you're undead, it seems most undead have a instinctual need to just destroy or end life. So, since it's already an undead, I could tie it in with that. But it's also much stronger than the group, so I had to kind of make it a terrifying entity that they could choose how to engage with. And to do that, I kind of stripped it of some of its abilities. It didn't have any sensory input. The only way it could actually find people is by sensing the general life of people and then hunting down groups of life nearby it. So it was kind of just this gigantic T-Rex ambling through the forest a few steps at a time, turning in the direction, ambling a few more steps until it got close enough to hunt something. So they had plenty of warning. It was a big old scary monster. And they got to choose how to engage with it because they had the pre-knowledge of it's undead. It has these patterns. It obviously can't sense us in a normal way. And so I was able to kind of bring it to life slowly but surely by just kind of introducing new pieces here and there. Eventually, rather than doing what I thought they were going to do, They lured it back to town and then had somebody much more powerful than them basically just curb stomp it (laughs) to the ground, completely obliterating it and ruining any sort of story I had for it. But it was their right as a player, 
and their agency. Everything they did made sense in the world. It made sense for the creature, it made sense for the society, it made sense for them as a party. And so it was a story moment. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. In the end, the stat block was completely useless. But it was a very good starting point, and it allowed me to slowly branch out and build onto this nightmarish creature that they had to deal with. And they did. Nice. I like that. That's, uh... (laughs) I love the concept of, like... Well, we obviously know that we're not gonna deal with this, like... Or or it would be, like, trouble for us to deal with. Let's get something more powerful to deal with this. (laughs) Which It was literally, hey, we know this badass, let's just go get him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which is, like, uh, the, uh the wedding that we talked about where we um, set up that wedding. And basically we knew like we probably weren't going to be able to fight that guy. Or if we did, it was going to cause a lot of problems. So why not get someone more powerful and more authoritative than us to deal with the problem for us? Um, Yeah. But yeah, I mean, those kind of things have to happen through story. Um, And I I like that you set it up and kind of just let it sort of sink in there as it, as it went through. Um, I actually, it made me think of, um, because one of the first things that came to mind when you were talking about this topic is, you know, what's a shared narrative look like um, in creating this sort of uh, monster instead of a stat block, right? So um, I was thinking back to the rabbits that I had created in the... um, uh, lower levels of five aces and um i when i started out the zero session i i kind of had you guys come up with some of the rumors about them because i hadn't really fleshed out like who they exactly were so i wanted you guys to give me like oh what rumors do you know about it that way if you guys did run into them which you didn't in that campaign but if you had then I would have an idea of what kind of things I wanted to throw out there. Uh, So that was like what I thought of like you could do that kind of setup. And it doesn't have to be in the zero session. You could do that kind of setup where it's like, hey, um, you've heard rumors that are spreading around town about something that people have seen outside of town as a setup so that you have something available. If you do want to throw something to them, you've already established it in the narrative. Um and it, when it comes along, they're not surprised. Um, but, you know, you get to choose what rumors were true or, you know, were they all false or, you know. Um, yeah, I think that'd be great as far as shared narratives goes to put in a monster that's beyond just a stat block and really fits into the narrative. Outsourcing is one of the best ways of doing that. It's not... Uh, very spur of the moment. Like you said, it's usually something that you do before or after a session to kind of get them to get involved. And then you have to either reconstruct or alter or, you know, choose which ones are correct or whatnot. And that way they aren't off kilter when it happens, but they can still be surprised by the way you've taken it and run. 
Um, it's a lot harder to do that with stat blocks sometimes because, like, I, like in my example, that wasn't a thing I was planning on using. I decided to use it mid-session. And so I had to kind of slow down how I was introducing it and kind of focus on what was important at that scene. Which is uh, not something you can outsource as easily. Right, right. Michael, do you have uh, any examples that you've done this in the past? Well, I got to thinking about what you guys are talking about. And when you look at D&D, for example, um, there there are regular base creatures, monsters, whatever you want to call them, that are just kind of your run-of-the-mill common type. So you've got a cobalt. All of them have the same stat. They all, you can use the stat box. But something that over time has evolved out of that is they've created alternatives or kobolds that are not the common rabble. They're, they have a, a place in the society. Uh, they're either like a, a priest or some kind of sorcerer or some warrior with a special ability that relates to their racial uh, abilities that's an, an exemptor or or an annoying uh an, an annoying kobold inventor that wants to be a gnome and uh <laughs> and should probably perish in some horrible fashion but those are the kinds of things that you look for those are those are good examples of how you can stretch it beyond that just base stat block to giving it a little bit more life and personality. I've done that with um, with bugbears and gnolls. I think those are the two that I've done before where you give them a little bit of personality and they step away from the normal stat block and they become something else. They're you know, usually like a leader or um, I think the bugbear I had, he... He was a, a priest of a particular religion that the bugbears didn't respect. So he was a priest to um, the gnolls. And and then the knoll leader had a kind of a, a an understanding of that and became a zealot for that religion. And so outside of the stat blocks, you start to layer on these personality traits and backgrounds to the point that they become I mean eventually you're going to add some mechanics to them but they become more than than what you started with and I find them to be enjoyable because they're just as just as likely to grow as the players do so as the players level up and they become more powerful these regular you know, run-of-the-mill monsters can also kind of have some growth. And so backgrounds and and personalities can help with that. Yeah, I um just recently backed a Kickstart campaign uh, that I talked to Michael about where it was um, taking NPCs. Uh, initially, it was kind of... Uh, uh, it was put out there as like leveling them up with the PCs. Um, but as I looked at it more, it was kind of like, um, how do you, um, how does the interaction in the narrative 
turn them one direction or another. So like they had this like little flow chart where it's like, you know, if they have a bad interaction, then it turns them into this thing. If they have a good interaction, then maybe they'll go down this way. And then from there, if they interact with them again and they have a bad interaction, it could turn them this way and so forth. So, um, I think that's another way of looking at how you could, um, uh, take the advance well yeah like well how you can take them from um your story and narratively change them and make them more alive than just the sat block i really wish i could remember the name of that it's i, I want to say folio faces but i'm not for sure i'll have to yeah but anyway add a shout out to them in post mm-hmm. yeah 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 we'll fix it in post yeah but anyway i Um, I thought that was good yeah i do want to take it and flip it a bit because this is something i've been trying to do more often lately as well um i did it a lot when i first started D D, but as i got into habit i started doing it less and less and i started focusing like we've just talked about more on individualizing monsters or stat blocks or npcs or whatnot but when I first started, uh, one of the things that I liked doing was just throwing in a bunch of chaos. You didn't, you were, you know, fighting in these mud plains during a heavy rainstorm, and you knew you were fighting undead. But then you saw this short little figure sprinting out across the mud at you. And at first you're not sure what it is, because you can't see very well. But as it gets closer, it becomes obvious that it's a dwarf skeleton. Just like all the other skeletons, you know? It's not just human skeletons. The monsters aren't uniform. And I did this with goblins as well. Instead of all goblins using scimitars, some of them had maces, some of them had wooden sticks, some of them had uh, finely crafted spears. And I would kind of variate all these things. And there's not a lot of depth to it, especially like I just said. It's not what we just talked about. It's not these individualistic things or these tracked advances and backstories and whatnot. It was just something that made sense for the setting in the area and gave me an excuse to say something different so that the players continued to stay immersed so that they didn't go, oh, it's just more skeletons. Instead, it's a question of, hey, is that a friend or a foe? Is that some victim running from the skeletons? Oh god, no, it's just a child skeleton that's about to rip my throat out. You know, it helped catch their attention and differentiate one battle from the next. And that's something you can do very lightheartedly, very easily. Just kind of paintbrush over a few details so that they are different and they stand out without having to go through the admittedly, uh, I don't want to call them hoops, of doing large backstories and carrying an NPC alongside a party. Because while that's great and all, life is about variety and sometimes the smaller details work out well. (laughs) <laughs> um, did i just come out of left field for you no, guys no 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 i'm just looking at michael shaking his head he does not like that yeah michael's very unhappy with me ever since i mentioned child skeletons 
<clears throat> no. I don't think so. <laughs> when a mommy skeleton and a daddy skeleton love each other very much, <laughs> oh my dear, they bone. <laughs> they bone. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you. For, uh, thank you for cutting that out, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think. Uh, I mean, this isn't exactly what you were talking about, but I think that kind of like uh, taking. Um, uh, a stat block and just like, okay, well, this thing knows spells, right? So what different spells could I give it so that it's not the same as always? And then, you know, uh, maybe I don't come to the table and have an idea of why it has those spells. I let them, you know, come into fruition through the narrative. You know, maybe the players will shout something out at the table that gives me an idea uh, as to why that is, or maybe as the narrative starts playing out, uh, I'm like, oh, well, that would make sense to, you know, give a reason why it would have this thing. Um, but on this, you know, the secondary, um, benefit to that is that they're not the exact same stat block that the player can just open up and look in the book and see exactly what this monster has. Um, they're different, you know, and this is, uh, an added benefit to changing up the stat blocks, uh, you know, creating a more in-depth monster is that they're not, you know, as easily metagamed as your in-the-book standard stat-blocked creature. So, it just made me that think That is a side benefit, yeah. So, here's... I like to obfuscate details. Here's a thought. I mean, this is a... Uh technique I've, I've used a couple times like when you're not prepared when you don't have all of your monsters laid out all their stats ready to go you write down a couple of things really quick that you're going to need armor class hit points possibly what they need to hit you and you know any bonuses you you think they might have and that's it. So you've written down these five things. That right there is simplified from the big stat block. But that right there gives you enough idea that as you're going along, you use this small set of stats to build the creature's personality and their interaction with the players. It might even be that they just are a, a one-off monster that you kill, but you're you're taking very little and making more out of it than you started with. And so what I mean by the technique to use this is you're telling a story and you need to pop something in. You need something to kind of get the, uh, the pace to pick up and you throw in this creature that you really have not thought all the way out. You've just got an idea and you've got like three or four of the stats you can in that moment, let the players help you interact with this thing and build some of its uh, its abilities or its personality. And then by the time they get done interacting with it, whether they've killed it or let it go or, you know, let it pass, they've helped you shape this. And the next thing you know, you've got another monster to put in your, your arsenal for down the road. Does that sound like something you might want to talk about 
use think about yeah i mean um, it's definitely something i've done before yeah so it, when you said that it actually reminds me of um <clears throat> how i would do npcs in um blades when we first started because they had the roll table on blades so obviously in blades you're not coming up with a stat block you're just coming up with attributes where so i would come up with you know um are they male female or ambiguous you know what's some of the like what's what might be their occupation and then what are some of their um quirks or personality traits right that's very similar to what you're talking about. If in D and D terms, you take those simple things and you have those ready, and then it fits into the narrative as you go forward. Like you're gonna figure out a way to throw those in there and make it work with the narrative as long as you have those little bits ready for you. So I think that's totally something that is possible and good to use. I think that'd be great to have. Yeah, and. In the past, when I've used it, of course, like I said, it's I've had five minutes to prepare for the session, and you know I kind of have an idea of what kind of um, background this creature has, and then I'll go from there, and it it can be as simple as just attaching you know simple traits like it has, uh, you know, it has some spellcasting ability. It has a a musk that it communicates through or it uh, alerts its its uh, fellow creatures that are in a pack. You know, something that helps kind of give it a few traits so that when you are interacting with the players, you can, they, you can hint those things as to whether, um, as to how they are going to interact with it. Um, if it's, you know, something that's a lone creature, that's, that's, one way of treating it, or if it's a pack animal and there's five of them hiding in the shadows, players pick up on subtleties. They can really know how to interact with it. And so it's those traits and those, as you were saying in blades, kind of those words that you write down to help you understand um, exactly what kind of character your creature you're dealing with. It's, it's a, it's a really fast way of improvising something in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, what else would we like to cover on this topic? Or you guys think we've, uh, exhausted it? I don't think we've exhausted it, but I'm happy with where we're at. Okay. Yeah. I mean, me too. I think that's, it gives a good, uh, foundation. <laughs> For uh, where to go with this. God damn it. Um. We don't do foundations anymore. You outlawed that. One of the cool things Sorry. that one of the cool things that D and D has when and we, we talked a bit a bit about this in modules, is D and D allows you to take a stat block and put an entirely different creature on top of it. So if you're pulling something out of a module and you just grab that stat block, you can put whatever you want as kind of a skin over that. And so I think what we're talking about is similar to that in that we're we're giving it a, a life and, and a an actually definition as opposed to just having a bare stat block. And <laughs> no, oh, <I'm> 
I, I hadn't really got to my wrap up, but I was I was reading. <laughs> it, it just sounded, it sounded like, like a you were building into I was it, actually <laughs> bringing up another point that popped into my head, but you know, just building off of this, uh, I I think that that's that's a good way to look towards the, the shared narrative is that that definition is there over the stat block, and we're always talking about how to improve the shared narrative, and this is one way to do that. Perfect. Adding a little bit of uh, variety and diversification into your... Uh, what is diversification? Ponzi's? Is that, is that like diversity? A university? Uh, I might have been a word I made up, but I thought it was literally <laughs> just the term of actively diversifying something. It is. Something. I'm just giving you hell. <laughs> oh, I thought you were actually challenging my vocabulary, in which case I was about to roll over and show you my belly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was everything I wanted from a reaction. Oh, that's funny. That is funny. That is scary. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. Well, yeah, uh, that was good. Uh, thank you um, for listening. Uh, go out and... Um, Create some monsters that fit into the narrative and uh, tell us how it went. Um, be creative. Be random. Have some fun with it. So quick uh, quick plug. We have a Patreon. Uh, link will be in the description for this episode. Click it. Go over. Become a patron. We'd love it. Um and we'd like to give a quick shout out to those who have backed us so far. Flump Pucker, Robert K, and Tarpan Caravan. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been Jason. This has been Michael. And this has been Jared. Bye-bye. This has been a production of 7th Level Bardcast. Copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to 7th Level Bardcast. You can find links to previous shows, resources, and our social media at 7thLevelBardcast.com. Also, connect with us through our Discord link on the website. We invite our audience to offer feedback, suggest a topic, or for a quick conversation. To support the show, like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcatcher. Music provided by Alexander Nakarada. Music